What up, gang? We got that height drop back in your ear. And this episode features Travis Grant Lee. What a G. I hope you guys enjoy this track as well. This is uh, Wayna. Check it out. Yeah, a little heavy. It's called, I think it's by Heavy K, Drum Boss is the official name, featuring Umpumi. I don't know if I pronounced any of that right, but partially it's because this song is from Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken, and so I'm probably fucking some of this up. But I love that it's uh, from the other side of the world, and I love how even though I have no idea what's going on, I'm just getting inspired. It's uplifting. I mean, just listen. Listen to this. Uh, yo, right? I don't know. Maybe you guys aren't like me. You're like, fuck this track. But I thought it was dope. I followed this house dancer and he turned me on to it because he just put out a video to this song. That's pretty much what I do, guys. There's no real mystery behind the songs that I choose. I just kind of find one that I, recently I was enjoying listening to. I play it for you guys because um, I want to share share it with you and hope you guys dig it. But more importantly, let's get into this episode for the week. We got Travis Lee, like I mentioned, and this guy, if you don't know who he is, is and you know we discuss it obviously in the episode, but he's the owner at Apex Fort Collins, so. Um, obviously a branch of Apex that's north of like the Denver Boulder locations. Uh, some of you guys might have been there at the Apex Open or one of the other competitions that they've had out there um, or just, you know, had the lucky, l- l- lucky enough to just live out here and be able to visit whenever you want. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of guests on this podcast that are athletes, parkour athletes. They're known for being one way or another, you know, a, a great practitioner or an expert level practitioner or something um, in that realm. And Travis is a little bit different as a guest is in, in that he's, he is a movement practitioner for a long time and a long time parkour practitioner. But you know, one, one of the three things that I was excited to have, one of the reasons why I'm excited to share this one with you. And I was excited to sit down with Travis is that he is, he is sort of a, um, different category uh, of than an athlete you know he's a business minded person he's an entrepreneur and he's been successful in inside inside and outside of parkour with with his businesses and the various ventures he's gone on and and as you'll learn in the episode he's been through some some hardships he's gone through the fire he's come out the other side stronger and and wiser for it and he's he's just a a good honest guy and uh, we need more people like that in the community i mean he you know, especially for you guys, I mean, it's it's a good one to to inspire those of us that are trying to make uh, careers for ourselves in in any industry, really, um, because it's always going to be tough out there for for people to to push through certain barriers and and um, I, I I was just excited about this one just because the the business side of things can be touchy, it can be a bit of a soft spot for for a lot of practitioners, the community, it can be sort sort of a touchy subject, but ultimately without people like Travis, without people that are passionate about business and passionate about creating opportunities for, for people outside of, you know, the business like athletes and every, everything is its own business in a way, but there's, there's certain 
opportunities that don't exist without people that aren't necessarily primarily focused on on the movement. And so um, I'm thankful that we have Travis as part of the Apex team. I'm thankful that, you know, I got to hang out and, and talk with him. And I hope you guys really enjoy this one. I think there's a lot of good information here. So without further ado, let's get that Travis Grant Lee in the studio popping off and in your guys' ears. Check this one out. Travis Lee. This what is, up? This is uh, the, the first time we've really gotten to hang out and sit down, I feel like, one-on-one yeah. on one and talk. So this is going to be exciting. Yeah, I have definitely been been orbiting the parkourosphere for some time now and uh just been really busy with uh apex in fort collins and now it yeah now it's time to to come inside the atmosphere here and have a conversation for sure so if uh yeah folks don't know me um i started apex in fort collins with jesse and justin clark in 2013 so mm-hmm. we've been around for been, been around for a while and just recently have been doing a little more since we've got a solid foundation laid for for the gym and the community up in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, if you guys don't know where Fort Collins is at, it's about an hour north of Boulder. And we just uh, helped run the Apex International. Yeah, thank you guys very much for doing so and a great job, I must add. Oh, well, I mean, thank you. It's not easy. I definitely know what it's, I mean, not all of it, but the ins and outs of doing some of that competition behind the scenes. And I mean, <clears throat> what, what kind of goes into that for those who don't know, like maybe you can relate since it's fresh in your mind, but what are like some of those biggest struggles? Because, you know, even athletes that have competed in it don't necessarily know what goes on. Yeah. I think at first glance, it's super easy to look from the outside in and, and say something like, you know, oh, you know, maybe I would run that better. I would do it. I would do it differently. Or, you know, you kind of have some opinions and feedback. Um, it's super easy to have that mentality. And then, you know, when, when we decided to work on it this year, it was to sort of, you know, distribute some of the workload that, that Apex has as an organization right now. And because, you know, Jesse and Justin had been, had participated in comps in the past as athletes and, um, we'd help with like 2016 and whatnot. Uh, we were just a good pick to kind of come in and manage the situation, but that being said, it was it was our first rodeo for um, a comp, you know, of that scale or of, of the bigger mm-hmm. scale. So it was really, I think we sat down and we said, you know, why are we doing this and and who are we doing this for? Um, and I th- I think that the best thing that came out of that was the conclusion that we were really trying to. You know, put a, put together a competition that was going to be an enjoyable experience for the athletes. And, you know, we had a lot of conversations about spectators and audience, and we really wanted people to be able to see it mm-hmm. and um, share in, you know, sort of the excitement. But our first priority was trying to make sure that the athletes felt like they were respected and that they would want to come back again and that they felt like there was a lot of enjoyment that came out of it. So that was our, that was, I think, I think that was the, that was check mark one, right? Mm -hmm. We were dealing with a much tighter budget than we have in past years for the comps, but we wanted people to walk away and feel like they came to something that they would remember and enjoy doing again. I think we succeeded at that. Um, You know, one of the things we did uh, that I that was sort of a smaller thing, but we got a, a good amount of positive feedback from was, um, you know, making our own custom medals this year. So those are like sick. To do that. Yeah. Those are sick. And I joked, 
I joked at the uh, at the qualifying medals, which also I think were similarly made. That they, you know, I meant it as a, I did actually as a compliment, but they kind of look like sick coasters in a way. Like that sounds so demeaning, but they actually, like, <laughs> when you think about it, like if you could have like a, the most luxurious, like piece of handsome wood in your home, right? Like burnt wood. It's like this engraved. I don't know. I, I felt like it was very in keeping with just kind of the Colorado rustic. No, it, I like, mean, that's... mountain vibe. It, like, I don't know. It fit, it fit perfectly. And like then that for the Apex logo to be the shape of it. Um, I love those things. They were, those were so cool. I was like, oh, man, they're so cool. And the fact that they had like the SPL, you know, because, of course, yes, we all partnered together this year to, to hold those competitions and kind of make the circuit out of uh, out of both Apex leagues and whatever. I don't know if they're leagues, but. They're gonna be, you know, right. eventually. You know, that's kind of like the the hint, you know, yeah. of, of what it where it's going. At least, um, it just looked it looked really nice. Yeah, they are. Uh, we actually uh, they're they're very rustic. Very. Um, we were actually just watching like Ron Burgundy, and then decided that that's what we were gonna do. We were just <laughs> really rustic wooden, lots of wood. Lots of wood. Yeah, get <laughs> get the wood. Speaking of wood, uh, my home is kind of. We were commenting. Uh, it's got that 70s vibe almost the metals kind of they would fit right at home they in my would. home that's why i think of like oh i need those yeah i think the metals are going to be what's going to draw you back in the game yeah probably you just probably going to bring me out of retirement you know just just so i can get a piece <laughs> of that wood right exactly just a piece no of um people are hungry for the wood they have been they have been after those metals. a lot of athletes we we were doing a survey after the event since and just asking people like what was it that they would definitely want to see again the next year and everyone's like medals 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 so i think it would be cool if the if the community could start coming up with like really cool medals most like ridiculous medals maybe or something like that you know everybody could have yeah. their own we're, we're not really about that much like gaudy bling up up in the north but <laughs> you know just being able to like have like a medal that was iconic for that year or something like that, I think it'd be super. It cool. does, yeah. I mean, it's a piece of history, especially if you're if you're able to, you know, be one of the athletes that gets to take a piece of that history home with you. It means a lot. Like, I definitely have, you know, a, like a special. I don't know. There's something cool about having a medal, like for anything that I've ever done that I've won a medal for. I'm just like, damn. Like, the money you kind of forget about, or you squander it, or it's not that much money anyways. And uh, you know, so if there's nothing else there, like. Of course, you're gonna have yeah. photos and things, but like it, I don't know. It it is very special. It's always like, damn, like somebody, somebody went to the design lab and like created this thing, and like somehow it's a physical, tangible, tangible object now. It's like it's got little intricacies and it works. I don't know. No, someone it, went into a, the mountains and chopped down that tree yeah. and brought it, and then Justin Clark created a design and then laser etched it into. The beetle kill. So they're beetle kill from oh, the Rockies. Beetle kill. Yeah, they're beetle kill from the oh, Rockies. That's some no wonder the wood looks so good. It is. It's the best wood. Damn, that's that. That's that beetle kill wood. That, that's it. pined after. <laughs> Excuse my pun. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, few items as pined after as the beetle kill of uh, the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. So there is some story behind it, right? I mean, that's that's cool. Like we sat down, Kim. You know, Justin got the idea for the logos. He's such like such an amazing designer. And and he was like, well, well let's let's cut them out in this shape and then we'll we'll we need to get some uh some sort of like metallic surface on them. So I mean, we we framed out the international ones with like 
sort of like gold, gold, uh, gold, silver, silver bronze. bronze yeah. yeah. Actually, I think we left the bronze ones with just like no fill mm-hmm. on the outside. But yeah, we w- that was not the first uh, coaster comment. I think Dante also. Yeah, no, was, Dante. Dante was the originator. Of he's the, coaster the OG comment. coaster coaster pun guy. Yeah, no, and I think that's cool. I mean, I, I guarantee that, like, I, mean, I can't guarantee this, but I would imagine that, like, Michael Phelps probably puts his McDonald's on his medals as, like, coasters. Yeah, I mean... But he might have been paid to do because, that. Because, like, you know. can't really, like... I mean, you can hang them up, I guess, and unless you're... If you're Michael Phelps, maybe you could have a whole room in your house dedicated to your accomplishments. But most of us aren't that, you know, accomplished, mm-hmm. and even if we were, maybe not that egotistical so like why it's more fun to just kind of have them around i don't know yeah i, I would think like that to I, yeah i just want that stuff to live in my home the long-term goal might be to have some sort of underground layer in the mountains and then when the competitors unite in the in the they just stick them in the into the like rock and oh, then yeah. they yep. activate and then <clears throat> and then the earth splits and then like we we descend into and a subterranean, like secret layer, secret layer of, you know, where there's Batman, Superman, like the Justice and Ron League, Burgundy. and like Rob Burgundy, He'll all mythical there. figures. We go Michael Marvel, Phelps. DC. We go across. It's it's a totally unifying, save the planet, team. Right. It's like the Avengers, but for parkour. Yeah. Uh, and Ron Burgundy's parkour is really shitty, but you know we might have to clean it up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you got it. You you really like that Ron Burgundy. Huh? I do. Were you at? The, did you go to San Diego's gym? The no. Apex what's, San Diego. Yet? What's happening there? Nothing. Just that the <laughs> just San, <laughs> just Robin Rob Burgundy's from San Diego, right? Oh yeah, of course. So yeah, yeah. Rob Burgundy. Stay I just called him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just <laughs> figured Robert. maybe maybe you should pay tribute, dude. Yeah, I will make a pilgrimage to to the San Diego Apex and do a Ron Burgundy. Like you could dress up like him. Yeah. You know, do some do some stunts. That's just my thing is like, and those who who know me well know that I'm pretty obsessed with nostalgia, and um, so any retro, anything, mm-hmm. I just I just dig. I feel like for me, nostalgia is like what was worth that era. Sort of if it's still around, you know, decades later then you know it stand it stood a bit of the test of time what do we decide to keep from it you know it mm-hmm. does stuff some stuff doesn't always come back in its exact form but it, i love that i love that that sense of nostalgia you know we were talking earlier i mean I think part of that comes from the idea we were talking about before we got started with just like what does the future what does the future look like for you and what are you pursuing and as time goes on and you experience these different we jokingly talk about them as quickenings, right? So you've got the concept is that you're still training, you're still doing what you love, what you love. You still like everything's all fine and dandy. There's that there's that period of your life where you're in your you're in your training where everything's just kind of like clicking, mm-hmm. and then you get in a relationship, or you have an injury, or you have a need for a job, or there's some other you know crisis or some other adversity that would that would like to tear you away from what it is that you do that you love and when you can still come out the other side of that still having fun when doing what you were doing before we call that a quickening so mm. you know jokingly as you go through those quickenings you'll just compound nostalgia <laughs> over time and uh, then okay. those will be the memories of like oh remember we were trained like that and we were working with our our, our coaster medals yeah that was great and now we're on to something else you know 
some sort of futuristic metal that doesn't exist. Maybe we yet. get a Stanley Cup type thing where it's like a, a what well, we don't have much many team events, but maybe there's like a one metal thing, or one ring to rule them all. Maybe it's a ring. Maybe it's a necklace. Yeah, maybe it's a a crown. That'd be pimping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe a um a I d- set of gloves. I think I think that the <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly I think that the uh, I like the like some shoes goblets right is that what they're called they're the oh like a mug like a mug I think a we mug? need that with just a bunch of ridiculous jewels on it mm, okay like, yeah and then that would that'd just be, that'd be dope yeah a little like a I guess it's a pimp's cup isn't it yeah I I think that's where I see it the most <laughs> is all things pimp related uh, and I think we could just you know fill it with I mean. Yeah, just fill it with the coffee. blood of our enemies. Yeah. But also, sorry, this is this is getting odd. <laughs> that got gory real quick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, uh, my mind's dark early in the morning at eleven eighteen on a Wednesday. But is it's, this the first AM hydro? No, no, no. It's not the okay. first one, but it's one of the first ones. Okay. Um, this is one of the first ones where I'm only half a coffee cup in. <laughs> so you'll 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 see my demeanor and perhaps change as the podcast goes on. The caffeine dissolves into my bloodstream right um yeah no for me coffee has is definitely fueling um fueling my social life i i love coffee and i end up doing things earlier 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 and earlier in the morning as as i go through more quickenings so (laughs) you how many quickenings do you feel like you've can what's when's the last quickening you've had uh i think the last quickening that i had was recently i had a concussion well, I guess it wasn't that recent. It was about, about a year ago. I had a concussion. And it left me with like vertigo that was really bad. And so anybody who's trying to do, and at that time I was really into working on some of my, you know, some flips and tricks. And I was diving into tricking a bit. And I, and I was just getting vertigo for everything. So it just like, it just penalized you for training. And that was a huge psychological vertigo. Or, or uh, um, psychological quickening for me is getting through that and training again. How did you get through it? Like what, what was it that was able to you to the other side of the quickening mostly time like i feel like i feel this is probably if i have a superpower it's it's this you know resilience and endurance um i don't know if i told you before but uh a couple of the probably most interesting quickenings have for me have been um well i was at i've i survived cancer so i had cancer i didn't know this yeah and uh, uh, and I think you knew I went to China, right? Uh, it, it might have lived team. somewhere in my subconscious, but I, I I don't. So I think the first quickening I why, that I, I had. I don't know why you'd be in China. Like thinking right now, act, trying to access my mind while you're in China. I don't. Why know. is Travis in China? Well, my last name is Lee. Okay. So, um, as you so can see Bruce from my is your yeah, father, I mean, just clearly. looking at me, you know, you know that yeah. I'm from China, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just super obvious. It's very evident, you know. Um, the uh, the blue eyes. The blonde hair. The Targaryen undertones. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It just screams China. (laughs) Exactly. So when I was a kiddo, um, and I think I think I think a lot of people listening can relate to this because um many people in our community are a bit different and maybe they feel like they don't fit in with the norm. And I, I grew up in Iowa, so not being super interested in like you know, the farm leagues and, or just going on to, to school and, you know, up here, like 
well put together in the community. Like, that wasn't my top goal. My top goal was to 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 do something different and interesting and break out. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna break out of this town. I'm gonna mm. break out of this town." Like, yeah, I I had this goal. I was like, I wanted to break out of town, and I'd never been on a plane before, and I I made up my mind that I wanted to go to China. I'd read a book about um called The Wandering Taoist. I don't know if anyone's ever read it before. If you haven't, you should look it up. It's pretty much fiction, but uh, it never says it's fiction, but if you get into it for a minute, you'll figure out it's fiction. <laughs> so uh, I read a book called The Wandering Taoist, and I became super interested in like Taoist philosophy and the martial arts. And at that time, I was 14. So I was super poor and went to went to school, worked through school full time, and went to and then went to went to high school at the same time and tried to learn Chinese. And my school was very supportive and sent me to um, to actually to university to at the same time as in high school to start learning Chinese. So do so you I, speak Mandarin or? Dui. Yes. Dui. Uh, dui. Dui. Uh, yes. Dui. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You too. Oh, that's uh, great. Dui. Yeah. So I. <laughs> s- I mean, I speak that one word now. That one word. Dui. Dui. It just means yes or yeah. correct, right? <laughs> right. So we could work on some some uh, parkour. Chinese vocabulary for sure. Uh, there, it's so when I went to uh, um, high school, I didn't have any money. I was trying to get to China, so I just hustled the whole time through, just telling people my story. You know, I'm learning Chinese. I want to get to China. I want to get to China. Mm-hmm. Um, hustled, hustled, hustled. Must have been must. Have, I asked for money to go to China. I must have asked, you know, hundred people for some type of support. And some people were very helpful. Like they they help you a little bit, but you know, getting to getting to another country and going to school in another country and all these things is not, that's not cheap. Right. No, not at all. And like, I mean, you're doing this all on your own, your own back of back of your, you're, you're supporting yourself at 14 already. Or 16. Yeah. So I had, what, what's going on here? Like, I mean, uh, I don't want to like, like pry too hard or whatever, what but, happened? but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious and like, you know. yeah. So my dad was a um, video and film producer whom worked mostly with ad agencies. Mm-hmm. So I had that creative background and upbringing which um left me very with a very cosmopolitan mindset but stuck in um you know a very uh siloed and that is a farm pun yeah um (laughs) (laughs) uh place and so i um i think the best way so my dad had my dad was diagnosed with ms so if anybody out there is dealing with ms and whatnot then i can relate to that as well but my dad was diagnosed with MS, so he ended up not being able to work. And when he stopped being able to work, I had my mom and my sister, and I was just at that time pretty high energy. And so we started having financial problems. People weren't able to work, and so I just was going to school, working full time. And then by sixteen, you know, I had my own lease on my own apartment. I was already, you know, two years into the labor force, still in school, still working, still crank- cranking money back into um, the uh family but i had that vision i had that dream that resilient dream which you know i claim as my superpower which is i wanted to get to china like i was gonna go why china i, I mean is there is there anything like that you can pin it to or is it just the call of the jump sometimes is what we call it in parkour when you're just like i just don't know what it is about said challenge but i have to do it it speaks to me so it's a combination of that and just an obsession that I began to have with like with Chinese philosophy, um, okay. with, so, the Dao, the, with Taoism, the traveling yeah. Taoism, traveling <clears throat> Taoist, Taoist, and and just wandering Taoist, wandering. Excuse yeah. me, God damn it, uh, goldfish. Uh, Dong Ming Dao is the um, author's name, and 
I it was so contrasting to mm. the Western um, philosophies that I had been not in my family. My I, the book was actually given to me by my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was given to me by a friend of my mom's who said, "Oh, give this to him when he's old enough to read." Mm. So she gives me this book. And I read it at 14 and it just kicks off my mind. It's like, imagine if you, for me, I can maybe equate it to like, imagine if you read, you know, Lord of the Rings or something like Mm -hmm. that. And you knew that that was a place you could go to. So in my mind, that's what it felt like. Mm. I'm going to make it to the mountains. Well, that sounds, I mean, like you said, you wanted to break out of this town. You have like these, you see the world around you. You're like, there's nothing for me here. I need to get out. And there's this boom, this huge call to adventure. Exactly. And, and it's in China. I mean, that makes perfect sense. And especially since it's so contrasting to especially the kind of culture you're going to encounter in Iowa, of all places. Yes. No offense, Iowans. Um, but it's a good place to be from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, emphasis on the from. From. Right. <laughs> not necessarily the best place to end up, but right. it's if you not start for your me. journey there, you're going <laughs> to be. And that's the message I think I would give to anyone who's who's got those dreams. You know, a lot of people want to come to Boulder and there's other, there, you know, I hear that a lot. Oh, I want to move to Colorado. Now that I'm in Colorado, like I hear a lot of people who want to move out here and I would mm-hmm. encourage people to, to, to have, to have that, to hang on to that vision. If you want to come here, like come, you know, uh, you know, come train with us, frolic in the mountains, you know, uh, I'll even introduce like, so <laughs> I can even introduce to the Chinese people. I can say, uh, so sweet it's crazy that you can speak this is uh, this completely foreign language i mean it's not crazy i guess makes yeah. sense but it's contrasting let's get back to the story so we understand anyway, why, sorry I guess. yeah so no, i distracted us but i want to put us back and like finish this out a little bit like so you go to china or you're you're mm-hmm. working towards going to china there's more drama you're going you're trying to get trying to get to china to get to china can't get to China. Can't get the money. Um, so I get an article in the newspaper, the local newspaper, and I'm just like pitching myself, right? Like I want to go to China. I want to represent the town. I want to do something different. And I get lucky, and this gal um, uh, calls me up and offers me a little bit of money. And then she's, I just got to know her over some time, and then she eventually just sponsored the trip, which was which was huge for me, gave me enough money to go. So at that time, though, I wasn't mm. sure, and I didn't want to spend a ton of money. So I'd never been on a plane before. I just bought a one-way ticket. Mm. Nice. To, Tight move. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was like when you see that gap and you're like, you know... I'm shooting for it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like this is my this is my my moonshot, right? It was yeah. an absolute moonshot. And so I got I put my life on hold. At this time I was eight, you know, eighteen. I just turned eighteen. Okay. I just turned eighteen. And I was like I was I'm out. So I bought I bought a one way ticket and I flew to northeastern China to a city called Dalian, which is on China looks a little bit like I'm not making fun of it or anything, but it looks a little bit like if you look at the shape of China, it looks a little bit like a chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beak is kind of where this province was that I went to, okay. Liaoning province. And it's about, you know, it borders on North Korea. So okay. very like, I didn't realize this at the time, it's very like sort of like almost Soviet feeling oh. <laughs> like region nice. of like Northern China, right? <laughs> Little, you know, militant vibes. Yep. That's all good. Yeah. It was eight mile and there was no pagodas, <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> I was very convinced it was going to be much more uh colorful than it was in the north but it was really cool up there so yeah so i get on this plane and i just go there are some delays in in the in the trip so the the party that was supposed to meet me get i get disconnected from them and 
I show up in the middle of the night like an 18-year-old in, and this is a while ago. This is like more than 10 years ago. How old are you now? I'm, not, I'm 18 Eight. at this point. Just turned 18. Oh, no, no, now. Though, just now, so for... I'm... I'm 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 equivalent to whatever whatever Amos is because I don't think he's really re- revealing his age, but I've talked to him. We're like, months, come on, guys, don't be shy. Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, right. we're, we're watch out. It. You're gonna leave it so, open to interpretation. I, You're yeah, leave it open to, to interpretation. Inter- I uh, myself, Amos, and uh, Rafe Kelly are all born within a year of each other. So <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave it. I'll let them release we'll let, it. We'll, yeah, we'll let <laughs> are the forefathers of parkour here. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, Thank God you guys exist. Otherwise, I'd be um, feeling worse about my age, probably. Yeah, you know, we're here. And, and there's people that you can look up to that feel even better about yourselves. I mean, but they're pretty much just David Bell and... Uh, like Sebastian Foucault. <laughs> Sebastian Foucault. Yeah, and, I met, uh, I got the chance to meet Sebastian when he was out here a little bit ago. And, and he is definitely and then after that, master of to, the quickening. The master of the quickening. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think he's in his 40s now. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I mean, there's lots of people like outside of the sport as well that do amazing things well beyond there absolutely projected and we have to and we have to do it sustainably so that people can be encouraged right yeah and so anyway i get i get i land in china and i'm just so naive a little bit naive and a little bit ambitious and that's kind of what you need you need to have a vision and you need to be just naive enough to not talk yourself out of doing things that are awesome Mm -hmm. so i'm in china it's you know middle of the night and I have like no idea where I am. And so I just hop in a cab at like two in the morning and I'm, I'm like, hey, take me to the foreign language university. So this is a city of six million people, about roughly the size of Chicago. Mm. And the guy in the cab is like, which university? And I'm like, the one where you study Chinese. Oh, damn it. Right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so he takes me. An hour drive into the city, into the downtown area, tools around a little bit, and then it's finally like, hey, I think it's this one here. And I totally knew it wasn't a school, but I was kind of embarrassed. So I'm like, I'm just going to oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got Yeah, cool. Thanks, bro. Classic, classic 18-year-old move. Just be like, <laughs> fuck yourself just to like not feel embarrassment for the next like 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> that's such an 18-year-old move. And I understand that about myself. And that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I just hop out in this downtown city that's equivalent to like Chicago. And I just start walking around and it's kind of cold and rainy and I just start wandering and I'm wandering and I'm wandering and I get to what looks like a big like wall. So schools in China don't have, they're not open. Like in university in the US, it's all like, ah, you know, like people just jogging and like there's this hair and everyone's happy and sunny and there's no gates. Mm -hmm. But in China, it's like concrete wall, 14 feet, (laughs) right? So... I, it's I, almost a prison. Maybe it is an institution. It's an institution. It is an institution. Okay, <laughs> we're riding that line. What do we got? You know? we got? we're doing something in here. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going to enjoy it, and you're not getting out. Yeah. So you're not getting in either. I, so I wander on the outside of the university, and um, and I found this little like door that was open, and I wander inside the door. Um, to the gate and it's dark and there's one light on and there's this dude in like this Mao coat, you know, with like the really tight cut hair and older gruff looking guy kind of looked like a, like sort of like a communist Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And he's got that big like green Mao coat on and he sees me. And he's like, Hey, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like they're going to kill me because I just wandered into some military. Like I did, I thought it was a school, you know? <laughs> and he's like, why are you so late? 
He's like, get inside, right? So I was like, okay, cool. And I went inside and he put me, he gave me a room to stay in, right? He's like, oh, here, stay in this room. And I woke up the next day and I came down to try and figure out where I was supposed to be. And I had walked to the university that I was supposed to attend. And and they let me keep that dorm room that he put me in that night. Wow. Awesome. So. Damn, son. That's. That's how you stick the landing. Yeah. (laughs) Let me just uh, mosey and just fall right into just one way ticket. Puzzle piece. Straight out of the cornfields. Just drop me in China. I'll figure it out. See? Yeah. You just got to trust in yourself sometimes. Even even if it hadn't worked out, you would have figured it out. But yeah. Yeah. No hesitation. That was legit. And so then you studied there for how long? And and I went to school there for a year. Was your name? Lee before you left and is it <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, you mentioned it was Lee and I was like I, I never really thought about that because I just I, I don't know I guess I, I don't associate it as much in my own head because I'm not around so many Lees right but I guess it does make sense now that you mention it that that's uh, an East Asian name right? yeah no my my real last name is Lee L-E-E and oh, okay. yep not L-I, but Bruce Lee spelled his name L-E-E, so prior to... And he had a son named Brandon. And he had a son named Brandon. So I'm basically also Bruce Lee's kin. Exactly. <laughs> it's just one big family. Um, and yeah, so my, my, last name, my last name is Lee. Um, my Chinese name was Lee Taiwei. And oh, okay. um, they just take your last name and they put it at the front. So I got to keep my other name. And then they did sort of like a phonetic translation of Travis. Did that buy you any points? In China, yeah. Oh, yeah. Being had people love that. Oh, nice. They're like, really? Your name's? How is that possible? And they start going (laughs) right away. They're like, how is that possible? He does not look any kind of Chinese. Yeah. How? So was your dad Chinese or mom or something? Like, what happened? And so you get a little bit of that, but then you know, I just told them that we have Lees in the West too. So, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that was awesome. And that really, I would say, that was my defining moment. Was my early trip to China. Everything else in life sort of just, you know, piggybacks on that or sort of comes mm-hmm. from that. Every job I got, every almost every relationship that I have, any anything I can attribute to success comes from making that leap. And that's why I think it's super important to do earlier on in life. So if we have listeners who are younger or listeners who are older and we were talking about this earlier mm. this other like sort of um you know value that i have which is to never betray your childhood self i feel like if you can make it through life and then stop at any given moment go back and talk to your childhood self like not like the worst of your childhood self but mm-hmm. the best of your childhood self and say hey here's what i'm up to right now you know i told i just did this and if it's proud of you if that version of yourself you think would be proud of you um, assuming you had a pretty healthy upbringing, <laughs> yeah. then, then I, th- then I think you can be happy. I think you're doing the right thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. We were talking about how it just, it, it, that, that big leap, like you said, the, the, the ability to jump out into the unknown, especially when you're younger, it can, it can feel easier. I think maybe even then when you're older. Um, but it's still, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you've had like to make more leaps as you've aged and like Absolutely. What, what you feel about that, but I feel like it's, it's uh it's important to do when you're young because you the the pressure or the even if it's even if it's unwarranted or if it's kind of unfounded and it's just kind of bullshit it is in higher quantities when you're getting older i feel like it's the pressure that the, the timeline gets crunched in front of your eyes or you know your future starts to look oh like time starts to move faster as you age it feels like and um 
I think it's even more important maybe to make those leaps as you're older if, if you're if you're not making them because because your future is is maybe waning is it waning uh yep <laughs> it's waning and waxing it's waning and waxing <laughs> we wax wane baby wax and wane and we full and we all lifelong but like uh i i don't know i just think that um but yeah like we were talking about just there it can be really scary as you get older mm-hmm. you, you feel like you're trying to ride that line of playing it you know smart and safe potentially exactly but you also might be playing it too safe and and then that's how you betray your your childhood self like you're saying it maybe is just you know if you come up you're like hey man i i i didn't i didn't go to china but i got this i got this job at a chinese noodle company or something i don't know like <laughs> like you're you're trying to awesome. like what the fuck <laughs> what are you doing this is my life man so yeah you, you don't want it. that to happen uh yeah and for those of you out there making noodles it is an art yeah, yeah. hey and, and if noodle but maybe that's if like your ramen. childhood self is like i'm a noodle dreamer then yeah if it's like instant noodles you probably need to check yourself yeah if you're at Maruchan and you're just like i don't know what you're doing at Maruchan factory but <laughs> probably not much fun things right yeah you you've derailed reset reset um so you were correct and the quickenings don't stop they continue they get harder and you have less i feel like endurance as you get older mm. so it's better to tackle those things when you're younger figure out who you are and what makes you happy as early as you can and understand what your passions are and understand what you're okay with you know telling the story of right so maybe you don't take that job that you think is not that goes against your nature you don't take it right or maybe you do take it but you set you set a very strict guideline i mean i say that that i was you know sort of this this visionary like you know aggressor in that way but i've also worked in call centers for a long number of years and i've worked in tech and um companies that maybe didn't appeal um not companies i always love the companies i worked for but jobs that maybe didn't appeal to the better parts of my nature and where i could contribute the most it happens mm-hmm. but you have to have double the energy to work on the outside on, on what your dreams are mm-hmm. right you can't just if you work an eight to five and that's what you do for money that's fine but you better be grinding once you hit that gate at five o'clock you know when you get done or get out there like that's all i wouldn't have an apex if i didn't do that yeah that's that's later in the story so yeah. that, that but cancer we should talk about cancer because yeah, yeah, that's a geez, big deal man. so there's, I, there's so much to cover I, I get i get back from china and i've spent through all my money and I'm very broke again, but this time with no job. And I'm out of high school, so I haven't been in college except for university in China. And I have this feeling of like, sort of like, ooh, what am I going to do? My first inclination is get back to China because that's where I felt like really rewarded. Mm-hmm. So I I weighed like, I was super skinny. I was like 135 or something. And my base weight is usually around like 155. So I was about 20 pounds underweight just as a teenager. And, you know, so I was very skinny and I was just not feeling right. I was having like night sweats and I had this like lump on my neck and I thought it was a cold. So I went to the doctor. He said, yeah, it's probably a cold. Two months later, it's still there. So I go back and I'm like, what the heck's going on? And then I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So Hodgkin's lymphoma is stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, It's a lymphatic cancer. Uh, It's treatable and it was treatable at that time. But it's still cancer, and it's a it's a nasty cancer. It's not like we're gonna just cut I that mean, out. Yeah, your I mean your lymph no, your lymphatic system is, 
I mean, it's just imperative to like everything, like the way your body functions, right? So yeah, they had a, a serious super serious. Happen. Like, well, do you do you still have all your lymph nodes and things? Yeah, I have this or scar have right here, which you only you would probably be able to see. But there's a scar yeah. on my neck. It makes me look like you know badass i i've never it's never come <laughs> out that way but yeah i'll take it i was gonna say a little bit like tattered but uh <laughs> the so so they do a biopsy they find like a like essentially a golf ball sized tumor one of lymph nodes in my Jesus. neck it was actually closing what, my do, windpipe do you think the like i mean this these things just happen it's, it's seemingly at random especially stuff like that when you're young and you, you yeah you, you, you should be healthy obviously at those ages should be so do you, do you attribute it to anything is like there anything that you feel like Caused it? Caused it? Or do you feel I like it's just an act of God or something like or yeah. will of the yeah. the universe? Uh, yeah, the universe definitely wills um, genetic uh, screw-ups like cancer. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> the, well, uh, I, was, I was a wushu athlete at the time. So mm. wushu is Chinese kung fu. It's basically, you know, uh, more uh, performance-based um martial art mm -hmm. at contemporary contemporary wushu is contemporary wushu athlete is what i was when i was in china um and uh so i felt very healthy and people told me i looked healthy mm -hmm. but uh, i did not feel healthy and I, I i accredit it to the rich diet of reese's pieces peanut butter cups and mountain dew yeah, uh, sugar, yeah. yeah i think it was probably that because when i was i was poor so i was just eating whatever so there's mm -hmm. folks out there right now and i would like to help you if you at some point i've been talking about putting together like the like the poor man's paleo or something yeah, like that yeah. like diet to help because now i know how to do it like it would be like yeah. it'd be like rice it'd be like beef veggies be like you know bell pepper grenades yeah, a yeah, hamburger yeah. right you can make it work now yeah yeah but you have to be educated yeah and it takes effort and it takes a lot of research especially like to, to get educated is the hardest part absolutely in, in like that process because you, there's so many different so hold me to that i will release the like <laughs> the affordable the poor, paleo. the poor man's paleo for athletes absolutely i will come up with that it'll be close i consider myself swiss paleo because i just i love the dairy but you know i'm gotta get in there if you can handle it and it's you i can i'm i know i'm optimized but i did the gallon of milk a day diet too even after cancer what? that was probably a mistake yeah gallon of milk a day diet? it's called go mad that sounds insane. How long? How long do you do that diet for? Uh, I did it for two months, and I went from like one fifty-five to one hundred and eighty gallons of milk, and you're at a one eighty at least. Because I think I was Jesus sneaking in chocolate Christ. milk on the outside in breves. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I would have a pimply ass face. That's for sure at that point. It wasn't that bad. Like testosterone was through the roof. But oh, yeah. um, there's so many goodies in the nectar that's designed to turn a little cow into a big cow. Oh yeah. So you can, you can, you, that's a, that's a life hack right there. Yeah. So I don't advise that people do that diet because I don't think it's very healthy for you, even if you are tolerant, but if you're I like, mean, let's, let's just gallon of milk a day. <laughs> Does that sound healthy to anybody? I don't know, but maybe, maybe if you're like seven foot tall, sounds delicious. And uh, a gallon of milk for you is basically like a, a glass of milk. Yeah. So to date, my only addiction has been milk because of a gallon <laughs> of milk a day. Uh, yeah. So, um, cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer. I mean, sorry. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I, so I'm not don't, trying to, yeah, I just wanted to, I was just curious because no, there's value in it. Like it, it don't, like if the, you, if you drink a 12 pack of Mountain Dew or something like that, I don't know what some of you chubsters out there are drinking right now, but <laughs> if you drink that 12 pack of Mountain Dew and you only eat ramen and you go to Taco Bell 
and I'm talking to some of my coaches right now, and you drink Baja Blast. <laughs> is that blue? Is that a blue soda? It, it sounds is. blue. It's it's radioactive blue, and just like the radioactive uh, material, it will give you cancer. Uh, so yeah, so I got cancer. I went through. I, I attribute it mostly to diet and stress, mm. uh, being poor and eating a bunch of crap. Mm. And and then there's there's something was probably activated genetically. Yeah, of there's course there's predispositions, right? There had to have been otherwise, because you know there's Not everybody of, gets there's cancer. millions of people that eat terrible, worse than you probably ever did. No, and you know they no. they, they they don't have any symptoms yet. They get um, the beatus, or maybe they never will. The beatus. They get the beatus. What's the beat? Oh, the beatus. Yeah. The betus. Diabetes. Diabetus. <laughs> that's that. That's that. Surgeon. What was it? The postmaster no, general. What's that guy's <laughs> oh, name? The post. Uh, no, no. What? Was it? Isn't it like those old commercials of like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm Wilton Bimler. I'm, I'm Wilton Bimley. When my beatus gets to flaring up, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm General Buford Bimley. Like he fuck. <laughs> that guy is hilarious as shit. That's a. I don't even know. He's probably dead now, but he's epic. That's a little gem from the '90s for you. Yeah, it was Bruce Lee say, "You will live as long as people remember you," and uh, definitely that. Yeah, but yeah, I think well, it's fascinating because cancer is one of those things that they still basically don't really know what the hell happens. No, and so like it's always fascinating to me to see you know what people who's because I think we'll eventually figure out more of it, and it seems like sugar is more and more. The evidence is coming back that sugar is definitely going to exacerbate any cancer cells right like or help create more and it's like these cancer cells are basically just mutations and if you overload your body with excess chemicals and excess like things you're going to get more mutations that replicate you know more unhealthily potentially I, i think that's i think that's a lot of what has to do with it so kids um don't do drugs and don't drink a bunch of Mountain Dew and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Although they are delicious, <clears throat> stay away. So I don't touch the stuff anymore. <laughs> I don't touch the stuff anymore. And I'll tell you that I didn't get cancer after the gallon of milk a day for Well, I'm glad you're are you cancer-free at this point. Yeah, so and technically it's, they consider you cured after... They consider you in remission when you're done, and then they consider you cured at five years. Mm-hmm. So we're, well, we're way outside of that. Well, congratulations, so, man. I mean, Yay, no cancers. Uh, so cancer sucked though. I want to talk a little bit about yeah, that. That do. was definitely yeah, like, a quickening, quickening. Yeah. So cancer was sucked for me. I just started. I, so I got a job and right when I working at a call center, right when I came back from China and I, uh, I got an apartment. So I had an apartment, a job. My sister was living with me at that time and I had no car. Mm-hmm. And I had, and I was going through chemotherapy in order to maintain the benefits to be able to get the treatment with insurance. I had to maintain a full time schedule, oh, so cool. I crammed all my full time schedule into like back to back like ten hour shifts. That's it. And then I would get good treatment. old American healthcare system. <laughs> good old American healthcare system. What's well, a hardy? I tell you, it's a hardy work, work ethic coming out of Iowa though. <laughs> um, so I would. I would get off my shift on Thursday, go get chemo, and then spend three days recovering from chemo to the point where I could work again, go back to work, and then work 10-hour shifts, get off, bum rides to chemo, get chemo. for. I did that for about four and a half months. All while I was taking care of my sister, all while I had the apartment, no car, and I just used to like... You when you're when you're going through chemo, you're wrecked because it destroys every fast... It's destroying all of your cells, basically. Everything. You can't taste anything. Yeah. No hair. It's indiscriminate. It's like, yeah, we're getting the cancer cells, but we're getting every other cell too. Every other cell, right? And exactly. It's fucked up, man. Like, how did how did you deal with that? How did you stay? 
I, I watched. You I watched Dragon Ball. A lot of Dragon Ball. A lot of Dragon Ball. I had a DVD player and just watched the. Uh, the it was a depressing one though, because it was the it was the the Trunk Saga. See, I'm. I I hate to admit it, but I've I've always just been like at a loss anytime Dragon Ball Z comes okay. up. I actually have not seen or know any of the lore. From I would Dragon think Ball. anybody listening will know that if you were gonna try and find a pick me up, <laughs> <laughs> basically everyone's dead, and he goes back in time and. And the character goes back in time, and he's trying to like prevent um, the death of everyone, essentially. Oh, okay. And the only ones left is his like one arm, you know, brother Gohan, and everybody just gets murdered. And oh, that's it's uplifting. Raining all the time, super gray, depressing, like melt, you know, dramatic music. And I remember I used to try and go for runs, and I just like run. It's very rainy in Iowa, so you can imagine what that's like. Pe- folks in you know, in Europe have to deal with that too. It's sunny out here. That's part of one of the reasons I like being out here. It's sunny mm-hmm. all the time. But I would just go run, and then like the chemo would like would like hit me, and I just like drop in the rain and be like, ah! oh you know, like God. try and go. Yeah, I like, can see you as anime right now. <laughs> right, just ah! like trying to ah! Ah! speaking speaking Mandarin too, just yes, shouting and exactly. I would just yell. I'd be like, oh man, why have just... you forsaken me? Can you say yeah. that? Uh, <laughs> I don't think it translates. Right. Uh, I don't think it translates super super well. But you know, just like why or like Weizama, yeah, you know, just something <laughs> like that would be pretty dramatic oh my god ah the drama so yeah but i got got through that that was that was a quickening that was a season and that's a that's a real quickening man i mean pretty legit you've been through a lot i mean i had no idea i mean that was before 20 you know that was before 20 years old for christ's sake (laughs) exactly like you're like that's all pre that's the first two decades yeah exactly the next one that's or that's before 20 so if you're going through illness i think that I think that what you have to, and it, and people out there are like, oh, I sprained my ankle. I'm sad now. You know, you have to find a way in your mind to get back to that place in your mind where you're happy. That's the real pursuit, right? Mm. So we think when we do something physical, we're chasing after a goal, or we do something with our career, we're chasing after a goal. But what we should be doing is cultivating a mindset. And when you cultivate a mindset and you just stoke it, stoke it, stoke it year after year, then you get to the point where there is resilience. You don't have to depend so much on your physical endurance or your mental endurance, but if you have those quickenings like stacked, mm-hmm. then you can you can tap into them. When someone bad stuff happens, then you're just like, yeah, but you know, meh. I mean, the whole time I was going through cancer, I was like, what a good story this is going to be. One day <laughs> I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna tell the story. Well, here we are, right? <laughs> you know, and I tell it frequently, but it's yeah. you know, there's a good story. Mm-hmm. To come of it. I mean, if you live. Yeah. Right. But there's a good story to come of it. So just, you know, try and try and double down on that and find and be like, when I get done, then I'm just going to do this. When I get healthy, I'm going to, you know, sail into the sunset, you know, something like that. So I get done with chemo and the cancer and all that stuff gets gets good. And it kind of get I get stuck in in the work life because now I'm dependent on income for it. Mm. And it seems really growingly difficult to get out of out of Iowa, out of that back to China seems really hard. Mm. I'm a little older now. I'm getting used to money. I've got a car payment. We were talking about going out and blowing money on our first new car. So <laughs> walk in the showroom, it's throw dangerous. Your money down. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to do. Is like, don't get into, why, why have an expensive hobby when you're poor? I don't know. I think but like, my I, hobby was- I got into cars before I realized that cars are expensive somehow. Oh. And uh, that was dumb. I think that but it, I, was, it was, yeah, I was just, I was naive. So I bought a house and I bought a car and started just training again. Um, when I came back from 
China, I had a pretty solid background in Wushu. So my Kung Fu was pretty good. And I wanted to... My Kung Fu. Kung Fu, very so, <laughs> yeah, I always go Japanese though. I don't. Uh, That's cool. I really wish that I. I think <laughs> after sounds pretty good for Japanese. It's gibberish. legit. I'm sold. Yeah. I I really think Japanese would have been easier to like transition into culturally. I mm. was like, maybe it was the culture shock that gave me cancer in China too. Like nothing was the same. Spoons weren't shaped <laughs> the same. The rice pillows. I jump on a bed and it's just wood and it's like you know Wiley Coyote hitting like a concrete floor. It's just like I. Uh, anyway, so it, there was a lot of culture shock. That could have been a contributing factor. Also, the horrible oils and pollution in China could have been a factor. Yeah, you went at probably like peak industry times. I mean, they yep. still don't regulate that well, right? But There's issues. But I think they're at least attempting to move in that direction. Right. Now, sort of. I think I they know. look at Flint and they're like, <laughs> Dear <laughs> nice Lord, try. Flint. <laughs> right? China's like, hold my pee, Jill. That's beer in Chinese. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thought hold my beer was lame, but anyway. All, All right. right. So uh, I get um, I get I get back into wushu, and I and I find a, my coach who there wasn't a re- really a lot of places to study like kung fu in the U.S. at that time. That was very good. So I ended up working with um, Daniel Pesina. Um, I had a, a local kung fu teacher, but I wanted to to pursue it further. So I went, went up working with Daniel Pesina. Daniel Pesina is the original. If you don't know the name, you might not know the name. He's the original motion capture actor and co-founder of mortal Kombat, the oh, mortal Kombat wow. franchise and yeah so you've seen his kung fu yeah i've seen his kung fu on uh on the on the two-dimensional screen it's fierce and it's it's fierce it's fierce so the way that they shot that was he they actually just took pictures and then just pieced those pictures together oh yeah so they sat they borrowed a buddy's camera mm-hmm. and sat in like a warehouse that they borrowed from somebody else and they took all those all those original og mortal Kombat positions were the original cast just changing their outfits <laughs> and then just like sitting on a box and the splits are flying I mean, sidekick like, yeah snap the picture and that turned into this huge franchise wow so amazing so I, I started a kung fu school. That was my first uh, business you know, that was successful in in Iowa. I was a serial entrepreneur, so I had started some other things, everything from a hookah lounge to a speed dating um, operation that I was Damn, <laughs> involved son. in. Yeah, though there is more comedy in those. So so we so I started this kung fu school, and it was an it was a side hustle. All about those side hustles. I believe in them. I think that's how you can eat and pursue your dreams and not get too stressed. Two things that can help side hustles, awesome partners. Mm. So you have that, you can, don't worry, you can find your way, our money, but I don't know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> money is hard to come by if you don't a have hard, the first two. Right, so you need money, you need that side hustle game, or you need some partners who are willing to put in sweat equity or vice versa, they have money, right? Mm. So I started the Kung Fu School, grew it, it got pretty popular, and then I started another business with a partner whom was a former US Olympic Taekwondo hopeful. And we started essentially like a booty boot camp style, like fitness kickboxy thing. Um, all the while, I'm most passionate about wushu because I think that kung fu and and parkour have a lot in common, not just in the nature of of some of the training and the origins, but also like also, you know, the thing that was amazing to me about um, kung fu or kung fu was that you would you you started to believe that there were people out there doing things that you hadn't seen yet. 
mm-hmm. there were these impossibilities of humanity that were being unlocked. This dude jumping in the mountain or training or using his chi to like punch someone and they fly across the room. Like that mystique drew me to it. It was very interesting. Yeah. And parkour has that. There are still people doing stuff that you're like, nope, humans can't do that. Oh my God. They're doing it. He's doing well, it. That guy's doing she it. She just yeah, did no, it. It's good. It, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, that is the appeal. That is the the mystique. It's so awesome. And yeah, we're, we're I mean, we're still probably scratching the surface. That's what's so scary. We are cultivators of the mystique. Yeah. So uh-huh. I start the other booty boot camp business, and that grows really fast. Like I started, learned about business there, learned business etiquette, hundreds of members, gets really big. Um, at that time, I had gotten, I'd been married, and um, my daughter was about to be born. And I got a call from a buddy out here who was my college roommate in China. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I have a software position. I'm looking for a project manager. And I'm like, ooh, I'm trying to move more the direction of like fitness, mm-hmm. movement, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I want to get, get go that direction. But this would get me out of Iowa. Yeah. This would get me to Colorado. And Colorado is dope. <laughs> so this was pre-dope, dope. Like 20 <laughs> Colorado is, yeah. It was <laughs> dope even before there was dope. That made it doper. So dope. Anyway, so I... I just, again, had that vision when I, if you get a vision in your head and you just endure and you chase it, the chances that the, re- the things that are resisting you in the periphery around you are going to fatigue before you actually give up <laughs> are pretty good. So yeah. I was like, forget it. We're, we're shooting for this. I don't care what the resistance is. I had a business um, with, a, with a good partner. I had a family. I was, we, had a, we had bought a house. We were about ready to, to have our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, nope. I know it's a better decision. We're going. So I just started the job in like two weeks. A week after my daughter was born, I started traveling and doing some stuff with software and just began that quickening of moving from Iowa to Colorado. Mm. Bought a house. My my poor wife never even saw the house before we got it. It was a good house. I have decent taste. So she was happy. Is that how you're but right now? No. We oh, okay. uh, sold that house and we actually built a new house yeah. in, in, Fort, in Fort Collins after yeah. the the market went up. So I've actually benefited quite a bit from, from big gambles like that when, when I really believe in it. Mm. And so we, so she, we, <laughs> it was really rough because an infant and I was gone traveling, working. Yeah. And so we get moved to Colorado and right after about just a year I, w- I was there, that's when I found like Ryan and Jesse and Justin and the rest of the Apex crew. And that's where like that saga got introduced. And I saw it and I was like, this is like, this is very similar to um, part or two kung fu in nature mm-hmm. and i don't have any kung fu teachers out here but i can sense something special about these people and what is being done mm-hmm. and i still believe to this day that that the purpose of the parkour community is not only under 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 leveraged under realized and will soon flourish and i know people have been saying that but mm-hmm. we're just getting some traction now i can tell as a gym owner mm-hmm. where it's becoming more and there's more there's more inertia behind it in in just the places where we're at. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan and I were talking one time. We think that maybe like we've the gyms have exp- in the front range of Colorado has exposed you know tens of thousands of students now. Yeah, because we look at our student numbers, we multiply them across from the Springs all the way up to Fort Collins mm-hmm. through you know through Boulder, Denver, Louisville now, and and we've just touched a huge part of it. And now there's this generational momentum that's yeah. that's coming about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we've we've we're about to hit that age where all of a sudden kids everywhere are going to be doing parkour yeah. and it's not going to be the the niche or fringe activity that it once was. 
and we're not, not going to get just like the Travis's and the the Brandons and stuff that maybe felt a little weird. And that's what one of the reasons why they, they felt okay getting into something that also seemed weird. But we're going to get everybody. We're yeah. going to get the people that are like, yeah, whatever. Parkour is just another thing. It's like tennis. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to fucking crush it, whatever it is. And uh, that's going to be insane to see because once you have that kind of moment. And I, I, I 100% agree because I think it's just... <clears throat> Oddly enough, I think it just because of what parkour is, it's almost like an update of software for fitness for like humanity. Exactly. And just more people are going to get into parkour that were into like all these other things that don't really make you fit or aren't fun or aren't challenging. Well, they're going to get bored. Like they're not like this is a new paradigm for for like how people stay in shape and enjoy themselves is they get into sports like parkour or like anything that kind of tests you demands more of you than, you know. I don't know if the fuck else it would be like 90 P 90 X and shit like that. Like, right. Exactly. And I, mean, I think that we will have people who are served that way, but I think there's another, you know, 20 to 15% of the population that if the framework's laid out, they may not be the earliest adapter, but mm-hmm. if you can give them something different and there's a plan, there's like, there's some sort of structure then they'll they'll jump on it. Yeah, right? exactly. They're, I'll do something new, but show me what it is first. Yeah. This, you're just it's too ethereal what you're doing right now. Give me a plan, and that's why we've you know used the band systems and stuff mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to sort of solidify that um, in the in the gyms. And I think you'll see more of that. And it's not a bad thing because it's it's giving some structure to people who need some structure. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like these are the these are the areas that we have to grow, and the other areas don't go away. the The non structured areas they're always going to exist because that's kind of what was there first. Yeah, and so I think what people sometimes forget is like as these new paradigm shifts come in, and like we start having more mainstream style uh, things, but we're doing we're still doing it our own way. It's like right, this is parkour as uh, an educational sport now, or like it's going to be taught in schools, or it's going to be. Um, competed in in the Olympics potentially and stuff like this. It's like these these things are scary because it's changing the culture, but it's just us exploring and like growing the culture is yeah. also what, what really all it is. It's just like all right, let's do parkour in this domain now and in this domain because we can. So someone's gonna do it, right? And then that's the truth is someone's gonna do it. So who do you want at the helm? You know, <laughs> you want the people who are in touch with it and. It's it's the it's the individual's responsibility to be different. That's that's the nature of it. At a beginner level, it's we can just touch more people when we have communities that are larger with with gyms and with parks and environments where it's more accepted and less challenged. It's that that's going to make a difference. So I uh, uh, I then I get I get out to Colorado and we're pretty in debt from that transition. Like I was able to sell my business and and make those transitions, but I was pretty much pretty much in debt. So I, I, I had like a savings fund, um, that I had carried over from my, mm-hmm. um, the institution that I worked for that was a call center and whatnot, <laughs> uh, you know, and then I had some other money from the sale of the business. And so I, I cashed out that money and threw a hail Mary at apex Fort Collins. So I partnered with Jesse mm-hmm. and Justin Clark and they were already, Sort of, I could see, you know, the potential in them because they're fiery dudes and they're beasts in their own right. And they have, um, you know, they're smart, motivated. They have, they've just been the best partners. So I, 
I just was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be working full time through this as we try and get this going, I cashed out um, my savings, threw it down. We started up. Um, we actually started in Loveland. Mm-hmm. And then because the cost of buried entry was less, the yeah, students yeah. were down there. And then one year in, we had another quickening where, and this is all too common in parkour <laughs> businesses, uh, that the, was leased out from underneath us yep. two months before we, um, and before we got out of the lease. And the... Uh, we had that year where there was this flooding. So the gym floods, right? Yeah. So the gym floods, it's a foot of water in the gym where there were like buckets shoveling stuff out. We get that wrapped up in the land. And I, and I actually woke up in the, this is the scariest thing ever, man. I woke <laughs> up in, I opened my phone. I was a member of the Facebook groups for like the CrossFit um because I'd done some CrossFit before and I was in the like fit CrossFit groups and this new CrossFit's like, oh, check out our new location. I'm like, man, that looks a lot like ours. It's like the walls are very similar, but there's nothing oh in God. there. And I was like, oh my, this is like, th- this is our spot. That's how I found out. I found out like, well, that's not so weird anymore because we yeah. hear the news on tweets now from Donald Trump. Yeah. So basically I got trumped <laughs> like <laughs> one Saturday morning. I was like, what are we going to do? So we were worried because our, you know, we've blown our cash Jesus. and all our revenue is based yeah. on our memberships. And so just started hustling in Fort Collins and that brought us to Fort Collins. I found, we found an awesome landlord who basically said, if, if here's this smaller space, we were in like just 2000 square feet, but mm-hmm. we were trying to stay humble and get going. He's like, if you stay here, I will get you another place. If something comes on the market, that's bigger. Mm. A year later, he followed through on his promise. Two units came open and that's where we have, where we had the apex um, open and we'll probably do more events, but that's the facility we're in now, which is, you know, much larger facility. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're all put together. I love, I love, I haven't actually been up there, um, since you guys moved and like finished furnishing that place out and it's really nice. Yeah. I mean with, with it, you know, it's not an immense space necessarily, but it's very well put together. So there's, you know, the gym design stuff has always come a long way. No, it's like now things are just, even if the spaces are small, there's so many options. The space is so well utilized. It, it feels like it's a gym four times the size of itself. So, so that's the other thing I'd, I'd advise anybody who's trying to make these moves, to make these leaps, to survive these quickenings and, and elevate themselves as, as quick as possible, is faster cycle testing, faster cycle iteration. Mm. So as... What is that swap, QWOP? I don't even know. That's like the fighter pilot thing. Oh, no, I don't sort know that, that one. No, Something what is it? Something orient, blah, blah, I lost it. Oh, right. But it's like a... It's like a fighter pilot training thing where observe, orient, and then something action. That's super like fast. Assess action, OOP or something. I need or to learn U-op. that. I don't even know what it is, but it's a, it's like a fighter pilot thing where, yeah, you just, the fighter pilots with the fastest reset cycle where they can observe, calculate, like assess or whatever. I forget the, the acronym, but again, they observe the surroundings, they make a judgment call, and then they act on it and then reset and observe, start observing again. They are the ones that are going to survive the firefights because if you have the fastest reset time, then you'll basically outwit or outsmart another fighter pilot and be able to take him out before he I'm takes gonna, you out. I'm going to look at that because I think that is absolutely what what we were doing. So we've done six major remodels, mm. like a uh, remodel that is from the ground up mm-hmm. in three moves. We had one location in four years. So we've had our gym for four years. We've moved locations, physical locations, three times. We've done six major remodels, which is a complete teardown and a complete rebuild in order to accommodate minimal space. Mm. But because, you know, Justin and Jesse are pretty quick learners and savvy 
I'm not the builder builder guy. They will they will make fun of me for my inability to build or at least my unwillingness to participate <laughs> in, that, in that part of the process. I mean, we all get our hands dirty, but the they can build some stuff. Like they're yeah. smart guys. And so that's why we've if you could, when was the last time you were up? Were you up? You were up uh, I was up for the open. You were up for the qualifier open. For so that's NAPC and international. Technically, I think if you counted the moves as, as as the first number and the iterations of full design, that's three point three. Yeah. For our gym in four years. Wow. Because what we're trying to do is find the that really good balance between what can we teach in and what can athletes still grow in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to constantly tear stuff down and rebuild in order to get there. But now we've, we've got some secrets. We think we've figured out a couple overarching patterns that goes beyond anything that we'll do in, in the future. And we're like, okay, we have some ideas about how we would, how we would do this differently, even from what we've done right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So we are scheming on our next move. <laughs> so we have some momentum and we also have some energy and ideas and we're really in a solid spot. So I think people listening should keep an eye on us because they're going to be hearing a lot more. 2018 is the year. 2018. Yeah. This is the, it, this damn, is our, going to happen this year still even. There's only, yeah, you're going to hear some left. stuff from us this year that you'll be like, Oh, Oh, Oh damn. Oh, oh damn. hot damn. Oh, hot damn. <laughs> we give you the taster. We get a preview. No, enough, no, Just it's keep all anticipation. Also, if it doesn't happen or the things <laughs> don't happen that we want to have happen, then I'm not going to, I don't want to sound like right, fair, a loser. Enough. I can't okay. bring it through, um, but just know the past, right? The trends. What have we been through? What are we likely to achieve? Everybody's yeah. healthy. We're in a good state. You guys have been in, never better. It sounds like. And uh, we're, yeah, we're at our best right now. That's and awesome, man. And, they, and, 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 and I thank God for the quickenings, even though all the quickenings they, they beasted you out, but you finally, yeah, they're fatiguing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's huge. I think it's nice that you're. I mean, people need that encouragement, and you know, you know, it's 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 nice to know that it's worked out for you guys, and that you have taken some huge gambles, and and it, you know, as long as you believe in what you're doing, they're working out. A lot of this comes from having to having parkour and the gyms for me as a side hustle for a very long time Mm -hmm. it forced me into industries like software um and i still work on those projects e-commerce um these very dense marketing business and technology um jobs that i've been working which i'll go in and i'll see what these top companies are doing like Mm -hmm. you know we do we're doing projects for for big companies and i've worked i've been i've had the opportunity to work on really big projects uh with uh, the company I work for, and that was also a Chinese connection. Um, one of my one of my um, mentors and teachers um, when I was at Daniel Pacina School in Chicago, um, Peck Pompat, mm-hmm. he was also a motion capture um, guy for the Mortal Kombat franchise that took over once Daniel stepped stepped out of that position for Midway, and he went to the Bay Area, started a software company, and then hired me to work remotely. And that helps me grow the gym too, because I can kind of be flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he, we, you know, he has these amazing clients. I mean, they're great clients. Adobe, Nike, like wow. working on projects like that. And we can go in, 
you know, and learn from that. Or as an agency, you learn from the experiences. So that, I think agency work is a really great entry into some people. Some, if there's people out there who are listening and they're like, I want to do something. I want to be like, uh, you know, a remote worker. I want to be you know, able to travel the world and, and do things, but still work. Remote work in, you know, app development, design, you know, writing. A lot of need, lot of need for writing and branding out there. Mm. But you know, and their strategies, that's what's kept everybody fed. That's what's kept things moving so that we could scale up quickly around the gym. And so, um, that's, and, you know, we've been able to not, we've been able to borrow some of that, that strategy and then bring that right into the gyms, into the business practice. And that's, I think one of the things that's allowed us to weather whatever quickening parkour gyms are experiencing right now, mm-hmm. which seems to be that maybe that initial like burst of, we're the only place you could train anything like this and yeah. you must come here. Uh, otherwise you don't have options. Now there are some other options out there, yeah. right? And that's what happens sometimes when you put a focus on equipment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I see what you mean. And like, <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the gym stuff is tough because industry, the parkour industry is just in everything. It's got its own rules and set of, uh, of set of, it's got its own landscape, right? And parkour gyms like are gonna struggle, I think, already because the the overhead is just large, just by the nature of what the practice is. The discipline requires lots of space, whereas like a yoga studio doesn't require much space at all to have like fifty students even in one room. Yeah, eight hundred square feet you know, or something. And <laughs> exactly. So, <clears throat> so, but with, with that again, we're gonna have like you know the the problems that we're solving and stuff. It's it's harder to to solve those problems. So the competition's not as steep as like a yoga studio. There's, I mean, in Boulder alone, there's a yoga studio on every block, it seems. So it's going to be weird, but it's also, um, like you said, I think the the education has to be the ultimate offering. Like with the, the students, the results, like the community, the culture that you're creating has to be like really what you're selling. And uh, because people are just going to be mimicking anyways what, what goes on. And there's been some really good... Uh, developments and stuff with with uh, with parkour gyms and what's offered and, and the equipment but the equipment can be it's not patented you know once once you go and visit another gym it's maybe it can be maybe one day yeah i mean i think <laughs> there will be patents but that's why we rely a lot on the athletes and we rely a lot on the credibility of people in the industry for the education um you know we we need to carve that out for ourselves and and express to people that there is there is a better way to to practice in this way that's that's sustainable. I mean, we don't want to see the the injury rate that we see in like trampoline parks, but you want to see people unlocking this this um this ultimate human potential in a way that is sophisticated. It is interesting. Yeah. I like to say that you know, we're athletes with imagination when parents are like what's different about what you do? Why aren't you guys just like you know, maybe more like the TV stuff or whatever. Um, I say, well, we're athletes. We're different because we're athletes with imagination and we like to do things differently. And the focus is on the individual, not on the equipment. And it's on the process, not the big moves and the risky and the risky outcomes. You'll see the other stuff come from people who are very experienced, but you won't see people without an education, you know, hucking and hoping tricks and moves for very long. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a self correcting equation. <laughs> that's a that's that. a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think you I think you see that. Yeah, and I think the the um, other thing that I wanted to highlight, especially in relationship to the international and other competitions, is that 
the vision coming into 2019 that we want to be able to um, foster is, you know, you have these big events, you know, for that were they were putting so much so much energy into, and there feels like there's this little bit of a disconnect between the everyday practitioner and these bigger events. And I want mm. that to be very clear what the progression looks like to get to like an apex international competition level. Like I want the kiddos and the teens or even the adults or the people who've been with us for some time that we spend every day with to, to then not feel like, oh, this event is part of the community, but I, oh, it happened? Like they should want to see it. Well, I can't wait till next year. You know what I mean? That's what the feeling should be. Mm-hmm. Not, huh, so what's this comp coming up? You know, people hear about it, but really those who are really super excited about it and are evangelists know about it. Mm-hmm. But the average kid, like in the gym, maybe doesn't understand what their path is. So they should be able to see here is here's the con- here's the training I'm doing. Here is the curriculum that I'm navigating. And when I get to a certain level, I'm going to go to a little comp, and that comp leads to this comp, and that comp feeds into the international. Yeah. Right? That sh- that path should be crystal clear. And when there's that, when that unlocks, it's going to be like Voltron. Like ah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Again, because it, you need to make it accessible. Or you don't need to, but if you want these things to to thrive and grow, you have to make it accessible to the people that aren't early adopters, like you were saying, the people that need the structure so they can follow and connect the dots for themselves a little bit. And obviously, it's always going to be an individual journey, but you know, not not everyone is going to be able to cut their own jib, you know, and then, right. like sail it. They're going to need some help. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see the development of that, and it just needs to be understandable. Yeah, I and, think it's and, pretty tough to understand right now. If you're just walking off the street, you have to find well, like yeah, a mentor. It's, it's so much more based. Yeah, there's a huge disconnect. Right now, you're, you're right. There's a gap between like what it, you can do in a gym and what you're expected to do at comp competition elite level. And that's just partially because, I, and, you know, I don't know, from, from my observation, it's sometimes there's just people that get stuck in the gyms and, you know, maybe they we need to encourage more outdoor programs or educate people more on what outdoor training can look like because ultimately the 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 competition format is often centered around what happens outside of a gym does that make sense yes so and and rightfully so i think like that's the disconnect is is connecting people with the culture that happens not in an educational facility always because the athletes that are you know they that feel really in cup in, in tune with it or the the evangelists as you as you mentioned, just <clears throat> it's important in 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 their training. It almost seems like to to explore outside and and to to also get clips outside or to test their training in a not purpose built environment. So what? So what's the healthy merger? And I I believe what well, I went to early on. I went to Return to the Source with Rave Kelly. Okay. And so oh, I, yeah, yeah. I want to give a shout this. out to that um, that event. I've been meaning to go back, but all of these, you know, cats in the cradle, silver spoon, stuff like that. So all these things like the get in that are that are busy is, is is stopping me. But I think that if I was an adult and I came to a gym and I started to explore what is parkour mm-hmm. and then um I started to try stuff outside with my with my family. Either a lot of our people who come in, their kids come in, they w- sit in the mezzanine and they watch for two months yeah. and they're the ones that come and stay in our adult programs. Yeah. So now they're seeing a way to connect between the family. Like, how can I still connect with my with my kiddo when they're only interested in 
technology, can we do something physical that draws us away? And, you know, I would envision in the future that ideally if I could just sculpt stuff, it would be, you know, you have these families, people participate in parkour as much as they participate in other sports or taekwondo or dance or anything that you just put your kiddos in that's unique in that you can do it with your kiddo. Like you're not mm -hmm. just going to one of their events and staring there at them. And then you're trying to continue your movement education through the gyms and you're doing maybe family getaways. Like you're going to return to the source and you're training outside with, with Rafe and, and experiencing nature in a way that you were designed for. That's that, that's the real paleo, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that, that, those events are, events are amazing and they have a ton to offer again, undervalued, but once the scaffolding is solid, they will, they will make more sense and, and you'll, you'll see more of it. Right on. Hopefully the, the conversations we're having here too help illuminate some people to, to what's happening behind the doors. Uh, and also, you know, in the athletes' minds and stuff. Absolutely. And looks at it. So, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, hopefully, like, I, I think my, my mission with this podcast has always been to ho hopefully help in, in some regard with, with bridging that gap between people, you know, people that aren't educated on, on the ins and outs of parkour culture and, and including myself, you know, like mainly myself, <laughs> because I'm, I'm always just fascinated, you know, sitting down talking with you. I'm like, whoa, holy shit. And know all these things about cancer and and your your uh, trip to china and and all the hardships and the businesses you've had over the years and so for me it's like fascinating to find out how broad the the parkour community reaches and also just how many individuals are in it that are doing like very very different things all of us like it's a mini society it is there it's a it is a, a microcosm for sure but um man thanks for coming on i guess like it this was a uh, enlightening. <laughs> I think it was really good to have you um, sharing your story, and uh, you know, I don't know if you have any other last thoughts or anything on it, but I think um, if there's anything like for for young listeners and stuff, for for people that were inspired by your story, like what what is the one thing that you want them to know? Uh, yeah, if, if they're if they're entering a quickening or thinking about entering a quickening of their own. Yeah, I think that what you know you have to always move and that's why we come back to the the nature of of parkour and the nature of movement you you have to move i don't think that any one of these you know any challenges i've been through in life it's always been in the pursuit of movement and if you're upset you're battling maybe depression it comes from injury or whatever you're maybe in a situation where you feel like you're stuck if you can just move, you don't have to move a lot. Like get, like move the finger, then move the <laughs> foot, then pick up the foot, then then walk, then then run, then jump, then climb, and just you have to not only do that physically, but you have to do it a bit, you know, psychologically. And I want to be a resource to the community for that, um, so people m people can like find my under maintenance um, Instagram at Travis Grant Lee. Um, you can keep an eye on the Apex Fort Collins website friend me on Facebook. Um, I'm not so popular as that I can't accept <laughs> friend requests anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you nice. know, and if you have, you know, these challenges is just reach out. I'm a resource. And also people should know that, you know, that it's, that it's not over. You know what I mean? Like we're, we, we have some amazing momentum in, in our gym and we have the right characters and the right butts and the right seats to get stuff done. And so there's, there's more to come for sure. Dope. Yeah, we're lucky to have you as part of the 
the community, man. Thank you so much for, yeah. for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Boom. Boom, Selecta. That's it. Another one in the books, in those proverbial books, but really it's the proverbial digital sphere of, of wherever the fuck podcast data lives. It's it's certainly not in a book, but uh, thank you guys for listening. We uh, thank you, Travis, again for coming on the podcast, and thank you all for being a part of this one. Uh, please check out the description. You're going to be able to find all of Travis's information there. You're going to be able to find any sponsor links that we might have so that if you want to support the podcast and also do something for yourself, like learn parkour online, like invest in your future with uh, a spare change roundup app or uh, Robinhood investing app with traditional blue chip and also crypto stocks or fucking what else is in there? Just a host, a host of things all up in that description. Um, the Patreon for the podcast, or if you want to support directly to to me and the podcast in future episodes. And, um, you know, or just there's other ways to help that are um, more just just with your listening ship for sure and, uh, and maybe writing a review or something like that it really goes a long way. So much appreciate you guys that have done that already and much appreciate anyone who's thinking about or is about to send it on, on one of those domains. Um, Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, don't forget, get out of talk. Get, keep the conversation rolling off the air with me on on my Instagram, on High Drops Instagram, and uh, Jesus, we even got a hotline. We even got a hotline. You could call in and leave a voicemail, and it just might play it on the air. So, lots of ways to get in touch. Don't be shy. Much love to you guys. We'll see you soon. Peace. <laughs>